This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Future CEOs, first edition of Power Woman right here on Future CEOs. My name is Klubin Boyer Arnold, and it is with pleasure, with pride, with privilege, of course, with my enthusiastic, <laughs> effervescent energy that I introduce to you. Obviously, we all know her, we all love her, we all watch her, we all admire her, but we all want to know a little bit more about her. Is Dumi Moraki. Hello, honey. Hello, Shubi. How are you? Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. I'm totally fangirling right now. (laughs) (laughs) Tooms, you know what? This is our first session of Power Woman. Yeah. And it is necessary, I think, in this time of South Africans' life, Mm. in our time, in our life, because we've been in the industry for quite some time. Amen. Correct? Listen, we have grown up in it. We've been growing up. We have grown it and um, grown us. So this session really is about lessons learned, the journeys taken, the highs, the lows, the Mm -hmm. excitement part and and the growth. Most importantly, the growth, especially because I see you as an inspiration. I see you as an aspiration. I see you as a leader and I see just a woman in touch with her voice, her vision and her being relentless in the pursuit of her dreams and a mother and a wife. (laughs) It's, it's, It's all it's all of that. Yes. All of that, how do you handle it? What do you package yourself as and what do you want us to see you as? Feminism in action. Love that. (laughs) Because I I feel like everything has gatekeepers. So there are also people who tell you this is what a feminist is. And for me, I thought, well, my understanding of it is we fought for a freedom. We fought for inequality. Now our job is to enjoy it. And stretch it as far as you can. So that's what I've done. I've had the babies because I can have the babies. I've had the husband because I wanted to have the husband. And I've pushed the career because I didn't feel like either of those are mutually exclusive. So that's that's who I am. And also, I, I decided that, you know what, everybody is on their own hustle, so to speak. Everybody has their dream. And I don't think anyone has a right to tell you whether you fit the correct mold for a certain dream. I wanted to be in this industry. I was not skinny. I was not cute. I was not, Uh, you know, I I was not connected. But I knew I wanted to be in this industry and I had something to offer it. And so that's always been like my big thing. First love. Comedy, radio, presenting, writing scripts. You, you, you do it all. Yeah. You're constantly evolving. And I love, you know what, me that's what I love about Power Woman mm. is that you've got to constantly rebrand yourself. Yes. You've got to constantly yes. evolve. You've got to constantly redefine and upskill mm. yourself. Mm. Let's go to the very beginning. <laughs> Let's go to the very beginning. I want to get to know who you, okay. besides what we already know. Forget that. I want to know you and I want to know what makes you tick. Okay. And I know I want to know what pisses you off. <laughs> we know, but I want to get into it. Okay. Take us to the very beginning, sweetheart. Ah, the very beginning. Jeez, yeah. uh, how far back are we going? Let's I go mean, back before, before work. Before work. The little girl. The little girl who grew up in a typical nuclear family, white picket fence, mom, dad who worked uh, in the state. My dad was a cop. Mom was a nurse. And, you know, it was a pretty chilled upbringing. Uh, Not aware that my dad is actually a political activist and so is my mother. And my life is turned completely upside down just before I start grade one. My dad goes underground because now he's being wanted. Oh my um, God, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he was a, a spy um, for the ANC. And my mother 
got arrested to smoke him out. So all of these things are happening. And as a child, I'm not quite understanding what's happening because one minute I had a mom and a dad. The next, in the middle of the night, I'm on the train with my mother. Um, I hear something about my dad and I see the worry in her face. I don't understand what's going on. My mother leaves me in Tabanchu, goes back to my figang and is arrested. And she stays, I think my mom was jailed for three months, I think. Why don't we know the side of you? Because I've, I don't know, it just, I don't know, it never came up, I guess. Um, I don't really talk about my you upbringing don't. enough. I think that's it. That's it. Yeah, so, then, yeah. so I lived with my grandmother for a while. My mother was released from jail um, shortly after my dad headed himself over. And um, but I continued to stay with my grandmother because now my mom had to figure out life as a single parent out of nowhere. Um, while my dad's in jail, she divorces him because um, I think shame with everything that was going Absolutely. on, that marriage took its own strain. Um, and then just before I start high school, my mother takes me to live back with her in Mafi Gang, and um, a whole other journey begins. So my time in Tabanchu was very cool. I mean, I lived with my grandmother in a small little village just off the N8. Like, literally, I was crossing a national road every year, to go, every day to go to school, to go and buy bread. Like, <laughs> if you were driving between Lesotho and Bloemfontein, they would have seen you. You would have seen this little girl. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, that's where my love for cars came from because we used to sit and actually watch the cars on that highway. And uh, we'd all fast fantasize about our cars. But I was raised by a very prayerful woman. My grandmother was a very prayerful woman. And so uh, I've also grown up with that kind of faith. And she was very clear about, you're not a Bible bashing, go irritate people with Jesus kind of Christian. She was very, your Christian, your relationship with God and with, with, with um, any religion is personal. And you need to personalize it. And it's private and it's yours. You know, you don't go and be a, a showman about it. So I grew up with her and all my aunts. My cousins were male. And I'm so grateful for that because it it made me not afraid of men. I, I, I really can't take any man off on. The only time it gets a little tricky, of course, is if it's a white male who's older. Okay, older already, there's a complication. Then if it's white and older, Why then it gets even more complicated. Just because of the history this country has. Mm. And I'm still struggling with having a voice when I speak to that kind of man because he's not a man that was in my life yeah. as I was developing. These are men I've had to encounter later in life. Okay. So all I have with regards to them is perception is these yeah. are the guys who grabbed my dad and put him in jail. These yeah. are the guys who can um, shoot me now and I'll be gone because maybe I'm just in their way. Yeah. So that that's where things got tricky for me. But yeah, it was a happy childhood. I was a tomboy and my mother used to laugh at me because she'd be like, you you are the girliest of girls. You have calves. You have boobs. You don't even look like a boy. Stop trying. Yes. Try. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I am. And uh, yeah, man. And then, I, and then the love of creating because we're creators. Yes. But you know, the love of creating comes mm. again from living at my grandmother's house because where we wow. lived was just on the edge of this place like off a felt like if you walk any further you end up in the mountain right and there was this clay soil every time it had rained like rainy season was my favorite we'd go and collect that clay and we'd make stuff with it and you know that's where imagination comes up because we'd make up Absolutely. stories and you know it, it was just it was so creative you know my my grandmother had like five cows so there was also that living like it's almost like you're on a farm and chasing hens for dinner because <laughs> then you know what I mean and you want to be the one who caught that thing I know. but you just don't want to be there when it gets killed <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't want to be there for the breaking yeah. of the neck. You just want to be there for the catching of the thing. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. Like I was enjoying organic before organic was fashionable. Mm. I was having organic milk, organic eggs, mm. organic chicken, mm. free range chicken, free even. range, free range. Free range. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, that's it. I mean, also uh, education wise, tell us about the, the curve. Education wise, mm. the interesting thing about growing up with my grandmother is that the house she lived in was built by all her children. Everyone could tell you, I built this room, I built the living room, I built that, I put up the seating. They all came together and they put each other through school. The older ones were the least educated and the younger ones were the most educated because the older ones went to work to put the younger ones through school. Mm. So I also grew up with that thing of, okay, so wherever I'm going, there's a ladder and everybody needs to be climbing with me. Beautiful. Yeah. So education-wise, my mother was a big fan of books. My mother used to say, I would rather we sleep hungry as long as you are educated. My children must be educated. You must love books. You must love education. And um, she used to send me books. So when I started living with my grandmother, my mother used to order me books. I'd get these packages and I knew if the package said Cape Town or something, I knew it was books for me. And my mother made me fall in love with that. I would read anything I could get my hands on. Uh, Every Sunday, I would read the cartoons, you know, at the back of the magazine. And that one was actually started by my dad. Because when I was was still a toddler, my dad would put me on his lap. And he would actually read me the cartoons because I could see the pictures. But then he would simplify the gags for me. And that's probably where my love for comedy came from. Because I would catch him. Yeah, because he'd be laughing while he's reading the paper. And I want to laugh with him. So I look at the cartoon. I'm going, but that's not funny. Then he's explaining why it's funny. And I'm like, quack, 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 quack with my dad. So um, I went to primary school in Tutanang. Uh, Tutana was actually, I wonder what it was called before it was Tutana, because there were, there were white pupils in it. Then the blacks came and all the white pupils left. <laughs> and then it was just us, but it was one of the best schools at the time in Tabangchu. Um, and uh, so I went through high, primary school there, um, spent a lot of time watching Sesame Street. So my English. And your, and your comedic timing and yeah. sense. Yeah. Started from an early age. From a very early age. So even my English started to be above that of my yeah. cousins because when they want to watch the drama, the Sutsana drama later, me, I'm just like, I watch Sesame Street in the afternoon. I'm cool. I'm going to bed where I'm going to read. And then I went to Konimenshin for a couple of years, which is mm-hmm. in Mafigeng. Um, and my mom took me there so that I could get into Mabato High School because she really wanted me to go to Mabato High School. And so that happened. But in that time as well, the insurrection was happening. Things were changing. When I was in Standard 4, it was the first time I choked on tear gas. Because this is when now the the people decided they're gonna overthrow Buputazwana and Mangope because now we were waking up to this idea of these um, home homelands which are run by apartheid puppets. So and I my dad has started to explain the struggle to me when I used to visit him in jail. So I also had an idea, a much better idea of what was going on. So yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting time. So how did that kind of settle you into what you came to do in Johannesburg and what you wanted to achieve being a young adult? Uh, expression, man. Yeah, expression. I I was desperate to express myself. Really, do mean? Uh, I really was. <laughs> I was. Um, I don't know. My mom couldn't afford. Um, extramural stuff for me so I couldn't go to the cultural center because everybody used to go to Mabana right like a lot of people I know now who are in the arts got to go through that program my mother couldn't afford it because we lived in Gulf View it was going to be transport and it was going to be that monthly fee my mother couldn't afford it so I had to find creative ways of, of getting into arts and I did that through school where Africa Day 
I, without fail, I was either doing a monologue or I was in a play or I was doing a poem. You know, I was performing. Um, I was consuming a lot of TV, like sitcom and uh, anything just to do with performance. Fred stay, you know, Stunning. I'd watch those movies and I, I was in love with the idea of performance. That So much so that even in matric, you know, in matric, people apply to different varsities in case they don't get in somewhere. I went straight to Vets University. I didn't speak to anybody else. I applied there. I said, this is where I'm going. The only options will be, am I doing fine arts or am I doing dramatic art? That's it. I submitted a full portfolio. I got accepted into fine arts and into drama school. I'd expect nothing less. (laughs) I'd expect nothing less. (laughs) And even that was a a big stretch because by then my mother was struggling with her bipolar disorder and she had squandered a lot of her money by then because mm. you know it took a while for anyone to know anything's wrong with my mother because this is a single woman who's a parent and, and we I'm know the child. our community and the stereotypes yes. and the stigmas connected to yes. all of that exactly so even that was a stretch you understand why you had to be the first on our show because as just a show in itself we're still trying to identify what kind of woman and what does it mean because the word power it's so loosely used to mm. me so it actually is trying to identify which kind of woman and what kind of woman you want here. And woman, let me tell you, you are a great start from oh, what I'm hearing. Thank you. So thank continue. You. Okay. Yeah. So I was Vets, a, drama, fine yeah. arts, uh, 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 dramatic it was arts. quite a shift because, I mean, I feel like to a degree I was a pampered princess in that, uh, you know, I was always taken care of. When I went to my grandmother, there was my grandmother, there were my aunts. I was always surrounded and protected. Then there was my mom when it was just me and her. And then ca- come university, it became okay. Your mother most probably cannot take you throughout your university career. You need to start making a backup plan now of how you're going to get through school. My dad had just come out of jail around the same time that Nelson Mandela was freed, but he was still rebuilding his life. So I couldn't really look to him to help me. And so I, I had to put on my big girl panties and, and make it work. Uh, I got kicked out of vets in my third year, after my third year, because I didn't have school fees. My funding, of course. Funding had run out. And, and then? I refused to go back home because by then my mom had left my figuring and moved back to Tabanchu because she really wasn't functioning. So she'd retired. She'd gotten her package. And I decided that no man, I'm not going to now, if Vitz is saying I can't come back, I'm not going back home. I hustled. I love it. I stayed with so many. There's so many women who I owe so much to. How old um, are you? At this point. Oh, and that back then. Yeah, I'm like, the, the struggle started when I was about 20. Yeah, 20s, yeah. Yeah, nineteen twenty. That's when I knew that, okay, to me, you need to make a plan. Because I also had a younger sister who my mother was obviously not going to be able to support. So I needed to make money, but I was very intent on my degree. And so I stayed in Joburg. I squatted in university. I stayed with the people who can put me up. Like Mm -hmm. there are many parents who opened their doors to me, but you know, you can only stay with strangers for so long. And in that time, I would go to SABC because you know what? They used to have these writers' workshops. I don't know if they still do that. Mm. There'd be writers' workshops, production workshops. And I used to attend these things. I had no money, so I'd walk. I lived in Yeovil. I'd walk to Auckland Park. If anybody knows that drive, I know that drive. I know, I know. What has that told you about who you were then? What does that reflect? What, What reflection can you take about what kind of young woman you were then? I was more focused than I gave myself credit for. But it's because I knew I like nice things. And I was not prepared to get a sugar daddy for my nice things. I wanted nice things and I wanted to be like my mother. My mother was a pioneer. My mother was the first woman to drive a car 
in her village. She was the first professional nurse who made other women want to be professional nurses. People really don't know this about you, you know. Yeah. Don't you, are you shy? I'm are you not an, shy. You know, are you an introvert? No, I don't think I am. It's just. Are you very private about, about your private? If it comes up, I'll talk about it. I don't think it's ever really come up. I think when people talk to me, it's always about what's happening now. I don't think they've ever really taken the interest you're taking in where I came from. What is comedy to you? What comedy is, is yeah. my outlet. It's my lifesaver. It's my lifeline. Without it, I cannot breathe. And uh, funny enough, that was one of the things that started to influence me when I left Jacaranda because I realized I was becoming afraid of my own comedy. I was beginning to censor it. Are you serious? I was beginning to question it. Yeah. And I thought, no, 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 no. This yeah. can't be healthy. So... You're a power woman. I'm not even going to call you uh, do me anymore. So as a power woman, you realize that your strength is speaking your own truth. Yes. And owning it. Owning it yeah. as a black woman, mm. especially whereby there is a, an issue, a topic or people that needs to hear or be healed by what you have to say. Yeah. Um, and Jacaranda took that away from you or what? You tell yeah. me. And it's not even them. I think it's me. It's it's me. I I went in with a certain expectation because of the people who sold the station to me Correct. in terms of me joining it. Correct. And so I I ish, I'm not gonna blame the station. I will blame the noise that I allowed to break yeah. through into me and start to dictate what I was doing. Because it's a minority of people who made me feel uncomfortable, but they were the way they were so loud and the way they seemed to gain power and the way I did not feel protected against them made me feel like I need to go. Because I realized they couldn't nail me on anything I was doing on air, to be honest. Ob Even after obviously. the bicycle incident, they couldn't nail me. Yeah. And then they started to target my comedy. And that's when I thought, now this is personal. What would you have done differently if you had to do it again? <sighs> That section of your time on radio. On radio. Mm. I think I would have probably stayed. Really? And demanded a space where I have my own voice, not where I there's someone who can dictate when I speak and when I don't speak and who can censor me. Um, I think I would have needed a space where I go, okay, you want to get to know me. Here is just me. Let's... Spend some time together. Give me a month. Let's chat for a month. Let's see what happens. After that month, if you and me still feel like I'm wrong, I'll go. You know? I love the fact that you said that a lot of women had your back. A lot of women had my a back. A lot of women were on some, we got this. Mm. We're dealing with this. We're dealing with this. You go do you. Yes. You sit down, You girl. sit. We got mm. this. We got this. I love that. Yeah. I heard you say, I wish I hadn't left because just after that, Oh, queen, oh, yeah. yeah. Tell me about that struggle. You know, what was that about? There are people who own the narrative and our narrative as a people in this country who almost eroded our story. And when people like Mamwini pass away, I don't care whether your mandate is you're a music entertainment station. You have a social responsibility and it will not be enough. For me, I was, I was not satisfied with the idea that I bet you all that happened was probably that, news covered it and it was not a conversation, you know. Um, what would you have done in that position if you had that platform to me? 
I would have wanted the listeners to tell me what they well, like what they knew of Winnie. Like, what does her passing mean to them? Because you know what happened on social media that blew up was you could see that that um, that complete polarization again of people who are really being ugly and people who are really being hurt and people who are going, mm. "Oh my word." Mm. Why is she passing away at a time when I'm realizing there's mm. so much more we needed to understand? Mm. And also, for me, it's because my dad used to tell me, <laughs> my, my dad adored Winnie Mandela. And I never understood it because I had also heard the scary, disparaging stuff. And one of his favorite stories was about when uh, she had been called to court in Bloemfontein when she was still um, in, um, when she was living in Brantford. Mm. And, and he says, um, so there she was in court. And um, the magistrate says, I noticed that every time you come here, you're wearing ANC colors. And he says, you know, she shook her head and laughed. Hello. She shook her head and laughed. And this is where I, I started to say I should have stayed at that place. Yeah. She shook her head. She laughed. And she said, as a black woman in this country, I know that my rights are very limited. And among those rights, I'm sure I still have the right to pick my own wardrobe. Simple thing like that. Yeah. And I thought, do me, you, your voice, you had a right to be there. Yeah. There was a lot going on. My career had so much going on. And I decided that was the one thing that I could let go of because it wasn't feeding me. But I actually realized it is the site of discomfort that I needed to stay in because it woke me up. I should, and that's why I'm going, maybe I shouldn't have left because we need to take each other on a journey as South Africans. And that place was that opportunity. So much was going on at that time. And but as a power, just too much going I on. I know, I know, I know. And as power women, sometimes you do have to say, I can't do it all. Yeah. Something's going to give. Yeah. It's, uh, it's that tough thing, you know? deciding of, are you going to win? Yeah. Do you want to win or do you want to be right? Yeah. Which one are you going with? The battle or the war? The battle or the war. Tombs, you're a family woman. Mm. Tell us the juggle between professional, all in this, all of this, new ventures, introspections, reflections, loss and gains, and then this hubby and the kids. Yeah. Tell us that bubble of life. Yeah. You know, what makes you alive? Are they it? My husband is a godsend. I actually said to him once, I was like, my, my Negro, if... <laughs> If we my ever, Negro. my Negro, <laughs> like my Negro, if yeah. we ever had to go through a divorce for whatever reason, I owe you. I I would be the one who has to pay you alimony. I would, I would owe you big time because he has been there through it all. Like he's he is a proud feminist man. This one, <laughs> you're blessed just, to me. Yeah, he he excites me about me. Damn, Even at my girl. lowest. I'm like, damn. He damn, excites amazing. me about me. I love that. He really does. And uh, he's just an incredible human being because he has his own dreams and he's very clear with me about them. And yet at the same time, he's going, you didn't make those kids by yourself. We made those kids. Like now, my kids can ask for daddy and not me. That's how present he is in their lives. Tell us a little bit about the kids. Um, if you wanna. We've got three kids. <laughs> we've got three kids. Uh, my daughter, I think, is the universe going, yeah, let us show you you. This is you and what you're putting the world through. Because she challenges me and she, she makes me brave. 
at, at my weakest, she makes me brave. And then I've got two boys. One, the eldest is an old soul. He... He helped me make the final decision to leave, by the oh, way. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he's, um, I do believe he's an old soul because some of his wisdom gives me goosebumps. You know, I remember when he came to me, I was in my closet, I was getting dressed and he comes to me and he says, Mom, I need to talk to you. Okay, Mom. And every time he says he needs to talk to me and he starts waving his hands like this, I, I know he is thinking of words that an adult will understand. He doesn't want to speak mm. as a child. Mm. And he said to me, see, mom, you, you see, you as mom, like, you are mom, you're fun. You're fun. And, and we like that. And you're happy. But you know, when you go to Jacaranda, all of that, you're not that anymore. Like, it takes it away from <sighs> you. you. Hey, mommy. Yeah. you say that? He said, it takes it away from you, mommy. So I think you should leave. Okay, that's all, mom. I love you, okay? And then he hugged me. And then he walked out. And I sat on my bed and cried. Because I thought, this is a nine-year-old. How is he seeing this? Because Mpo and I had even agreed that we're going to have these conversations not in front of the kids because we still have to figure out how we deal with race and our children because we are trying to raise the future. We don't want um, narrow-minded children and we don't want children who operate in a black and white world. So... How he got that sense, I don't know. But I knew it was time to pick them over everything else. And the third one? And Lisedi, my middle child, is our light. He brought life back into our lives. He was born shortly before my sister-in-law passed away. And when he was in NICU, he was in NICU from the time he was born for a couple of weeks. She would visit him every day and she would put her hand inside that thing and... You know, I think of things like that and I almost, sometimes I feel like, yo, I feel like this woman gave you her life force mm. before she left. Because also, you know, my, my first born and my last born have been hospitalized countless times. Like they, they, they get sick, they asthmatics, mm. eczema, all this stuff. Mm. And here is this child who started off with such a rough start, strong mm. as an ox, never sick, always happy. He couldn't even get terrible twos right. Mamela so gosh, see you a powerful woman. Are powerful women because we might be perceived as this put together, happy, smiling, cracking jokes, mm. successful show, mm. but you've got so much going on. There's a lot going There's on. There's a lot going on. So, for the women out there who are maybe not married, maybe don't have kids yet, yet on the successful route, what advice would you say about life and juggling it all, or trying to juggle or managing it all? Oprah says to you, you can have it all, but not at one time. <laughs> That's what that's, that's what always has, that's what I hear is that you can have it all three but never at one time. How how do you what's life like for you at present and how do you suggest that we claim it as young black women? Feed your soul and don't be afraid of therapy. Honestly, because it also is a very lonely journey for us because we don't have mothers and aunties who've worked this journey. They they don't know the kind of economic independence that we know. They don't know the kind of career potential that we know. And, and the barriers, and to, the that, barriers to, that. to that potential. Yeah. So we need, we need to, if it's not right here in front of you, go and get it because it exists. Go to therapy. Pray. 
whatever you believe in. Just feed your soul. And don't, please, you're allowed to be selfish. Women are the most selfless people I know. And when we need to be selfish, we forget to be selfish. We need to be selfish. I have three children and a husband. But when I need my space, I make it clear I need my space. I don't ask for it. I take it. If it means I'm going away for a weekend, if it means I'm not engaging them when I'm in my house, I do it because it's me. I need to have a strong a strong me to be there for them. I need to feed me so I can feed them. My children deserve a, be- a happy mom and my husband deserves a happy wife. And sometimes it means they need to give me the space to recoup everything that I'm going to share with them. Tell us something that nobody knows about you. Well, the public. Obviously, your husband does or whatever, but the public, what don't we know about you? Yo, I cry easily. Do you, honey? Oh, my gosh. I cry so easily. Even in adverts, I will cry (laughs) because the advert is so good and there's a baby in there. I'm useless. Oh, gosh, the way I cry, guys. Um, I, 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 I love that. Oh God, I, I love I this woman. I think You too, Mika. You're gonna make me go into your show here. Hey. WTF to me? To I know. WTF. You know what they asked me? And I'm like, hey, those guys are too crazy, Joe. You know, I knew I like my tequila shots. I'm fucking tequila. You know, I know. I was like, oh my god. But this is not about me. This is about you. Um, we love mentors. Yes. I'm a big fan of mentors and life of spiritual mentors, business mentors, mm. womenly mentors. Mm. Who are your mentors or who do you look up to? <sighs> it, it sits a lot with my mother yeah. and my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law uh, is a qualified pharmacist, but she stopped practicing a long time ago. And she, when I look at the husband she raised for me and wow. when I look at the the family around her, and her heart and the way she's carried and supported me. I mean, this is a woman who, when I was starting to feel guilty about my career and my absence as a mother, she said, why are you trying to be perfect? Because your children chose you. You didn't choose them. So trust that there's a reason they chose you. As a profession, and I think you're, we've been in the industry almost 20 years. Mm. Almost 20 years. It's been a long road. Mm. What have been some of your highlights mm. of your career? The good times, the good stuff. I think the first time I did a one-man show and I filled the Lyric Theater. Oh, man. That was so huge for me. It, it meant everything. And also when my husband and I got our first show, when we got to produce our first show, I went, guy, these people just gave us two million rent. They actually trust us with this money that we're not going to waste. They're going to actually produce something. And... It was a proud moment for me as well because my husband and I proved once again that we are a formidable team. Um, and it grew us as well as a couple. So, yeah, those those have really, really been great highlights for me. Um, What's broken your heart or broken your spirit about our industry? What do we need to fix about our entertainment industry as women in South Africa? What pisses you off? We're not united. I think we're all chasing paychecks too much and we compromise on principle. So I think it's time we, 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 we form some kind of united front where Luby knows that if she says I'm downing tools because this is unfair, there'll be other women behind me who are going to have to take this rubbish. And I'm saying it stops right here. That do me and Nosipo aren't going to say, well, we are here. We'll take a job if you won't do it. We need to say we're going to stand together and we're going to fight this thing. Guys, the struggle doesn't trend all the time. Just because it doesn't have a hashtag 
hashtag and it's not trending doesn't mean Correct. it's not important. Mm. And that's what frustrates me because we, you and I have been in this industry for a long time. Mm. But there are guys who, when we walk in the room, we're just ass. I know, I know. And that's fine. If that's what they like, that's fine. But they need to know that they can't get away with it. And I think that's right now the thing that that gets my blood my blood boiling. And also, let's stop being scared of race because I've realized we are. We are giving the past such power by being afraid of race. And we need to come to a point where we just go, okay, I I don't get this. I don't get this. Can you just break it down to me? So that we can both sit and realize, oh, so we're scared of the same things. Let's fix it together then. Wrapping it up with, to me, Morag, my God, I can sit and talk to you forever. <laughs> you know what? I just, I realize, you know... Th- we have these public personas mm. and then it's just you at home with your hubby, with the kids, yeah. chilling with the girls. When you just feel, you know, just in your hue and in your zone and where you feel secure and comfortable and safe. Yeah. Where are your safe spaces? It's home. It's my cousins. You know, um, I have two sisters, my sister cousins. And they they are where I go when I'm feeling out of touch, where I'm feeling... <sighs> consumed by it all you know because sometimes you get high on your own supply and you're like no my feet need to be grounded and that's my safe space um they are the ones who she'll bring her hair food the other one will bring a bottle of wine love that the other one is bringing nice combo hair food and wine hair food and wine (laughs) and then you are there basing each other's scalps and you're sharing stories and you're crying together and and that it feeds me so much, guys. Like, and I, I really hope that the women who are listening just remember to go back and do that, man. Even if it's a childhood friend that you're going to have to dig up, find that person, arrive there with that bottle of hair food that you're going to base her scalp with. Where do you want to see yourself in five years' time? Ten years' time? What's your future? Oh, ten years' time. I want all of Anglophone Africa to be talking about this amazing comedian. Yeah, me. Um, and I'm I'm hoping that, you know, there'll be schools I've made a difference in. I've been speaking to my manager at length that yeah. I feel like I've done charity things quietly, but they're for other people. They're not mine. And I, I, I'm looking for that thing I want to do. So I'm still caught between, am I going to start libraries and schools? Lovely. Because I have an idea of starting libraries and schools. But yeah. every school has to have a book written by that school. And I want to be part of that process mm. of the kids tell their story and it, gets, it goes into a book. The best uh, artists can you know, illustrate these books. And this book should be the most precious thing in this library, you know. Um, because we need to learn to tell our own stories, man. Like when when everybody went Black Panther crazy, I said, I love the pride. I love the pride. But that's Marvel. It's American. It's not us. If we can be that proud of excerpts of us, can you imagine how proud we can be of our own story written by our own people? So, yeah. If you had to look in the mirror, last question. Looking in the mirror and you see your 21-year-old reflection, what would you say to Dumi about her journey and advice about her journey? You are enough. You are enough. You are enough. Wow. You know what? It's not a mistake. I don't believe in coincidences that you are the first power woman on the future CEO show. Yeah. Oh, I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've learned so much about you. 
and you're just a true testimony that you've got to speak your own truth. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. My name is Sibimboya Arnold, and catch me on the next podcast of Power Woman on Future CEOs. Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.